Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Paul exhorts us here, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Be angry. Strange exhortation. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, though we come to you this morning with hearts heavy, Lord, we know that, Lord, you know our hearts. And, Lord, we pray that, Father, during this next 45 minutes to an hour, however long it might be, we pray that, Lord, you'd help us, that we would concentrate on your word preached. Lord, may it inspire, may it conform us more into the image of Christ. Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. Lord, we pray that, God, you would just be honored and glorified in everything said and done. I pray that you'd help me. Lord, to preach thy truths and to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. Lord, may we realize that in all these exhortations that Paul has us for us in Ephesians 4, Lord, none of these can be obtained without Christ. It's God who works in us both the will and to do his good pleasure. So help us, we pray, dear God, to work out that salvation that you so graciously has given us with fear and trembling. Help us, dear God, we pray, to glorify you in everything this morning, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Strange exhortation when you consider what the Bible says about the passion of anger. Paul says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Before we begin this morning, I believe we must first be reminded the divine rule of interpreting Scripture, one which was diligently exercised by our forefathers, namely that no Scripture is of any private interpretation, according to Second Peter chapter 1, and that the only and safe rule for interpreting Scripture is with Scripture itself. There lies in the best, beloved, and in the most knowledgeable of saints, that sinful impulse or inclination to follow our own interpretation of Scripture. And against this sinful impulse, every true believer wrestles and has wrestled. Even the greatest, if you can call them that, of saints wrestled against the impulse of making Scripture say something it didn't mean. Jeremiah 10, 23 said it best when he says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Yet his plea is that God would send out his light and his truth. The psalmist said, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. The psalmist humbly admits without God giving light and sending his truth, we would not and could not be led to God's holy hill and to the tabernacles of God. 
the lamp under our feet and the light under our path, beloved, must and can only be the Word of God. We admit that humbly. We confess that. It's so often we forget that. Without which we walk in the darkness of our own corrupt and sinful past. And yet let us be humbly reminded that even interpreting Scripture with Scripture is no simple task, but requires, first of all, great grace, and second of all, great humility, because we have, must be reminded that it is the Holy Scriptures which we must interpret with Holy Scripture. God says that He looks upon those that are poor of a contrite spirit and that trembleth at His word. Isaiah 66. May God give us a holy reverence every time we open up His word and a humility that would help us and a meekness that would help us to understand God's word. And let us ever reverence it. And so it is with our text this morning. Because we have a strange exhortation. How often do you read in Scripture where God encourages us to be angry? Yet Paul says here, we need to be angry against something. Not apathetic, not indifferent. He said we need to be angry against something. Namely, sin. And especially, I'm getting ahead of myself, the sin of unjust wrath. If we attempt to interpret this exhortation found in verses 26 and 27 without Scripture itself, we'll only be led to certain confusion and the snare of the devil. The verse evidences that. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. So if we misinterpret this portion of Scripture, the Scripture itself says that we're in danger of being ensnared by Satan. This is a very serious exhortation. Not only because he encourages and exhorts us to be angry, and that against sin, but if we fail in this exhortation, we fall into the snare of Satan. So it's a very serious exhortation, which Paul gives us here in these texts. Be angry, be ye angry, he says. And the more I looked at this passage of Scripture this past week and prayed about it, the more I was assured that if there was ever a divine exhortation which we must give the greatest attention to, then surely this exhortation of Paul ranks amongst the greatest of them because he tells us to do something which is very dangerous, a passion which can lead to great error and many transgressions, as we'll see. But Paul says we need to be angry against something. It's dangerous because not only does sinful man relish this passion, left uncontrolled and unrestrained, this passion of anger or wrath, left uncontrolled and unrestrained in the true believer, it leads to the greatest heartache and rebellion. I call your, your remembrance to Jonah. You remember when Jonah got angry about the gourd? When God charged Jonah with the sin of unjust anger, you know what Jonah foolishly replied? 
I do well to be angry, even unto death. You see what malice, what wrath, what unjust anger did, even in the face of God? Uncontrolled and unjust, it disregarded and spurned even the very censures of God Himself. That's how dangerous wrath and anger is, uncontrolled and unrestrained. It stands in the face of God and spurns His commands. That Jonah could respond in such a way with such anger towards God Himself, I think is a forewarning to us against this passion. That's why it's a very serious exhortation and one we need to interpret with Scripture and not with our own understanding. For Scriptures are not silent to the sins and the destruction which come from an uncontrolled and unjust passion of anger. And I'm sure all of us have one time or another in our lifetime fell to this passion. And oh, what destruction and heartache it caused. Not only in us, but in those around us. Especially those to whom we vented such anger. Proverbs 14.7 says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. I'm going to read them for time's sake. Proverbs 14.17, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Proverbs 22.24-25 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? Lest thou learn his ways, and get a snare to thy soul. Be careful of angry men and furious men. Make no friendship with them, the Bible says. Proverbs 29:22 says an angry man stirreth up strife and a furious man aboundeth in transgression aboundeth in transgression You see what the Solomon says about angry men and furious men Ecclesiastes 7:9 says be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry for anger resteth in the bosom of fools that's just a few scriptures. Yet even in this fourth chapter of Ephesians, Paul exhorts every true believer to put away anger with all malice. Look in verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Why then does Paul exhort every true believer to be angry? I wanted you to read the, or understood, understand those scriptures because this is, again, a very serious exhortation, but one that we've got to be very careful about, about not misinterpreting it. In the very forefront, I just merely wish to warn you about this passion of anger. It can be very dangerous when it's unjust and unrestrained. Yet Paul says there is a time when we need to be angry. And the answer is why, or why we should be angry, as always is in Scripture itself. It's in the context. Be ye angry and sin not. We're to be angry against sin. Especially, in our context, against unjust wrath. Uncontrolled wrath. But he says be angry and sin not. So we are, as Christians, are to be angry against sin. In general, 
Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It's amazing how the answer to unjust wrath is anger. <laughs> isn't that amazing? It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? God says, "You want to? Yeah, I want you to deal with the unjust wrath, and the way you do that is you be angry against wrath." It, it sounds like God, doesn't it? Fire fighting fire. You want to get rid of wrath, unjust wrath, uncontrolled passion of wrath? Be angry at it. It's amazing how God uses that form of speech, truth. Anger, therefore, is not necessarily a sinful passion. But according to Paul, it can be very beneficial and necessary when justly and biblically exercised. So Paul is saying that we need to be angry. I'm getting ahead of myself, but one of the problems with this present generation of Christians is they don't get angry about sin. They're apathetic. They're indifferent. Oh, it's no big deal. God loves and it will be okay. Christians must be angry against sin. We must stand up against sin. We must name sin what sin is. Our Lord himself exercised a holy indignation when he purged the temple in Jerusalem. Look over in John chapter 2. You remember that? John chapter 2, when our Lord walked into the temple. It's amazing that the one time the Lord shows such anger, there was another time where he's angry at their unbelief, but it's amazing that it was in the temple. The way they were using the temple had regards with the worship in the house of God. There's a message right there. God is very jealous how we worship Him. So I'm glad as a small group of believers were discussing how we feel led by Scripture to worship God and even the Lord's Supper, how we do these things because God is very particular and jealous how we exercise, how we perform worship. It's not just to be done lightly. Look at John chapter 2, verse 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, something they used to drive the animals, he drove them all out of the temple. Now some say he drove merely the animals out. He wasn't driving people physically out, but the animals. But we'll leave that to your own discussion. He said they drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said of them that sold doves, take these things. Hence make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written and that in Psalms, he said, the hazeel of thine house had eaten me up. This was a holy indignation our Lord exercised when he's seen what they were doing in the temple and they were making the house of God a place of merchandise, Christ was filled with holy indignation towards them. And he got this scourge and he ran them out of the temple. He was preparing for a reformation. It was a holy indignation inflamed by holy zeal for God. Psalm 69.9 The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Eiffel in German. I just love saying that in German. Eiffel. So there is reason for anger in the life of a believer. And it's against sin. The church is sending today a wrong response to the world's sinful and wicked ways. We're sending a message that is apathetic and indifferent. 
Oh, that such a holy indignation inflamed by holy zeal would burn within the hearts of God's people for him and his truth. And a holy indignation against all things sinful. And let me tell you something. In the day and age in which we're living in, there are a lot of things in this world that are sinful. It seems as though things are growing worse. As though God is releasing his restraint upon sinful man. And we're seeing more and more sinful actions. The church must rise up against these things and make it loud and clear that we are not in any way apathetic or indifferent towards sin. Many Christians get that confused and take their anger out on a sinner. It's on the sins that we become angry. Our warfare is not carnal, but spiritual, Paul says in Ephesians 6. There exists amongst many believers, professing believers today, a sinful spiritual apathy and passiveness towards sin. Where the world is not clear where the church stands on that. May God give us grace to make it clear that we as Christians are not apathetic and different towards sin. But we're angry at sin. Anger is also an attribute of God. Of course, what Paul is exhorting us to do in Ephesians, we have to be careful because that's an anger that deals with us. God's anger is always holy and just and righteous. He's God. We sometimes abuse that passion. So therefore, we must be careful. God is angry with the wicked every day, Psalm says. So there is reason there are grounds there is justification for being angry as a christian but angry at sin and i'm getting ahead of myself especially sin in us that's the context the sin is in us more so than in others even though we must be angry against sin you follow me isaiah warned us in isaiah 5:20 woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and isn't that the way it is today that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The church has always made a clear stand where it stood when it, when it concerned sin. They always had a clear definition of what sin was and did, and they always stood for what was right and holy and just. Look at Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. We've gotten weak as the church when it comes to sin. We've, we condone so much now. We compromise so much in hopes that the gospel message will... We don't want to be too offensive. I don't believe Christians need to be offensive. The message we have will be offensive because it's God's. But personally, as a person, we're not called on to be offensive. The message we proclaim... When it's offensive, like the brother said in our little devotion, when the Word of God is the offense, then it has power. When we become offensive, it's merely sinful and fleshly. Isaiah 59, verse 14. Watch this. this God was terribly upset, and judgment is turned away backward. And justice standeth afar off. The truth has fallen the street. 
and equity cannot enter. How that describes America. Yea, truth faileth. Faileth. Let that sink in just for... The truth faileth. Oh no, the truth... Not that the truth is failing, not with God, but amongst men. Truth is failing. Truth about what? About judgment, about justice. About truth. Watch this. Yet truth, yet truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. In other words, he's considered a madman. He that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. He's considered a madman. Now watch this. And the Lord saw it, as though he didn't see everything. And it displeased him that there was what? That there was no judgment. <clears throat> there was no judgment for truth and equity. Moses, if you remember, <clears throat> got angry a few times. The Bible says Moses' anger waxed hot when he saw the golden calf. When it came down from the hill, he seen the golden calf. It said his anger waxed hot. He took the tablets, he threw them down, broke up the tablets. A justified indignation and holy anger. God was for that. Yet, there was another time Moses got angry and God didn't like it. You remember? The rock of Kadesh, Moses was unjustified and it was sinful for he smote the rock twice. God said, speak to it. Moses said, must we draw water out of the rock? And he smote it twice and that was an unjust anger and God said, no, 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 no. For that, you're not going to the promised land. You see what unjust wrath can bring upon us? His first act of anger was justified. It was holy. It was right. Because it was for the glory of God. The second was because Moses was simply mad. Uh, this is one passion which I personally despise and hate because I was, as a lost man earlier, I was filled with anger. I don't I suppose every sinner without Christ is, but I was especially filled with anger. When your own brother and sisters make bets that you'll be in jail by 21 because you black out in anger, nothing to be proud of. Anger is a terrible passion when it's uncontrolled and unrestrained. Beware, child of God, beware of this passion. Make sure that when you're angry, you're angry for the right reason. You're angry because of sin. And you're more angry at yourself than at others. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Beloved, this verse tells me more anger is needed against our own sin than those of others. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Paul speaking to the individual Christian, it takes more anger to be against yourself for your sins than it does for others. Be angry at yourself. 
that you sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't allow it to fester and grow is what Paul's saying. He's not saying we will never be angry. Listen to this. I want you to understand this. He's not condoning it. But listen to what he says. Be angry and sin not. First be angry. Don't sin when it comes to wrath, unjust wrath. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't let it linger and fester. If you do get angry, cut it off at its roots. Don't let a day go by. Don't let the sun go down and put your head on the pillow if you're still festing in wrath and anger. Beloved, what a wonderful exhortation this is. Especially when we are so often tempted to fall into this unjust anger and wrath. I get weary of seeing and hearing Christians try to justify their anger at people because maybe they don't believe or agree with their doctrine and they get bitter and angry. I don't know about you, but if if your doctrine produces the spirit of anger and bitterness and wrath towards others because they don't agree with you, your doctrine is not biblical. It cannot be. And yet so many justify their wrath and anger at others. You know, it's easier to be wrathful than it is to be peaceful. It's in our nature to be wrathful, but to be peaceful is is opposite. In meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves that they might come to the knowledge of the truth. Don't let it linger. Don't let it fester, Paul says. Be angry and sin not. Don't let unjust wrath linger in your heart and your mind. That's why when raising children, and Paul gets into the family in chapter 5, as parents, we should never punish our children in a spirit or in a passion of anger. Just always leave the room. Restrain that. Because if we don't, we don't know how to control it. And then we say or do something that we regret. God never, ever punishes his child out of a wrath or anger that's uncontrolled. It's that of a fatherly love, Hebrews says. He chastens us because he loves us. Be careful, dearly beloved, that we do not let wrath and anger fester in our hearts and our minds. Why? Because he says in our text here, neither give place to the devil. You see what it does when we let it linger and fester? Paul says this is what you do. You're, You're opening yourselves up to the temptation of the devil. The devil uses that. Don't let him use that. It's amazing because... There's no other place in Scripture where you see that Satan uses such a passion but that of anger, because anger destroys people. Anger destroys people. It destroys relationships. Unjust anger. Long continued anger and wrath leaves us, dearly beloved, susceptible to the wiles of the devil, and the longer it remains and is not put away, the harder and more difficult it is 
to totally escape its torments and its destruction. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. You see why this exhortation is so serious and must be cautiously observed and exercised? I want to bring this to a close in James. James says it best. He said in James chapter 1, verse 19, he says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We've all heard the saying, God's given us two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we speak. Sure, you've heard that before. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? For the wrath of man, verse 20, worketh not the righteousness of God. Me being angry does nothing for the righteousness of God. Moses proved that. And many others in church history. And I believe we've proven that. You, you know, I believe as a child of God, I believe we know when our anger is unjust. I, I just believe we know that. I, I believe we know that. And if we know that, that's when we have to take care of it, restrain it, mortify it. In all these verses, Paul is exhorting us to sanctification. Not on our own or in our own strength or because we can, we're able to do it of our own. It's because we are in Christ. It's because of what's Christ done for. And it's amazing that you find in the first three chapters of Ephesians the greatest doctrines of our holy Christian faith. The doctrine of election predestination is just filled in the first three chapters. Great and glorious gospel doctrines of our Christian faith. But you'll, you find in Ephesians 4 and 5, you find the greatest exhortation to sanctification. It's amazing. So it's like God elects you, God predestinates you, you're a child of God, yet sanctification, because you are, sanctification is the responsibility and duty God gives to you because He's worked in you. He's called you, He's predestinated you unto holiness, unto good works. You're His workmanship in Christ. And so we do these things because of Christ. I would like to take this chapter a little bit further, but I really believe there was enough in there, verse 26 and 27, for us to take and to pray upon and to meditate upon, because this is a serious exhortation which Paul speaks of, and one which we've got to be very careful about. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither, neither give place to the devil. Don't give wrath any room, and be careful of unjust unrestrained wrath. It is a passion that will lead to many transgressions. God help us that we might listen to Paul's exhortation. And again, like I said in closing, we should be more angry at ourselves and the sins we commit than those of others. Never forget, we have a beam. Our brother has a splinter. When we do that, we'll be careful. And there are a lot of reasons in this world to get wrathful. I mean, when you look at the media, when you look at the world, when you look what they're doing, sometimes it just it makes you really your boil, your blood boil. It really gets us to a point where we're actually angry. Be careful when that happens and pray that God allow it to be a justified and holy indignation against sin. 
because we are prone in our flesh to let this passion run unrestrained. God help us when that does because it does not perfect or work the righteousness of God. Amen. May God give us grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these two verses of Scripture. We thank you for their, the seriousness of it. I pray that, God, you'd give us wisdom and grace that we could hear what Paul is saying unto us, Lord. I pray that, God, you'd help us to follow the scriptural uh, examples of holy indignation. Help us, Lord, we pray, when this passion rises up in our hearts and our minds. Lord, help us by thy grace that we would be able to restrain it by your mercy and grace. And that, Lord, we'd be able to prove our own hearts. And, Lord, I pray that, God, you'd help us help us to be more angry at sin. Help us, Lord God, that the world would see that we're not indifferent to sin. But, Lord, sin is something ugly, vile, and wicked. Help us to stand up for the truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand these things, that we might have a balance in our Christian life, that it's glorifying to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.